This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to the program with a unique focus on helping Canadians avoid probate. The one thing everyone should know about probate is that it's not inevitable. With some planning and good advice, you can avoid the exhausting, expensive and time-consuming probate process and have your affairs settled quickly and privately. Speaking of good advice, here are your hosts of Avoid Probate. Good morning, Zoomer listeners. Welcome to the Avoid Probate show on this beautiful Sunday morning. Glad you're here joining us again, hopefully. I'm here with the world-famous Ted Walsh, and I'm Jason Laidler. Good morning, Mr. Walsh. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. That's good. You're looking very well. I'm feeling very well. Sounding very strong and, uh, you know... Spinach. Spinach? So you'll find out more about that later. <laughs> That's right. Listen to the commercials. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A uh, special day, this is. It's not this, spinach day. No, it's not. It's uh, it's National Daiquiri Day, though. Yeah, I see that. Do you uh, like daiquiris? I have to embarrassingly admit, I don't know what a daiquiri is. I know it's a drink, but I don't know what's in it. Do you? The exact ingredients, the exact proportion, oh, no. But is it like a? Is it one of those like sweet, uh, you know, beach, hot summer, a little umbrella? It's kind of a Caribbean, Caribbean drink. Is it? It's not the kind of drink you would walk around... In a bar. All right, well. I think it's more a sit-down drink. Okay. Maybe we'll have to have one after the show. Okay. Let's do that. We'll, um, Anything for research, you well, know me. That's right. Just for the good of the show, Ted. Maybe we should have had one before the show. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, well, we'll do that. Hopefully. I'll be uh, You didn't bring any daiquiris in. I did right? not. I, I did try, to be honest. Um, I looked for... You know, I didn't want to bring in a bunch of bottles and mix stuff in the studio, but I thought maybe there was like a pre-made one that I could grab, and uh, I didn't see one, and the, the gentleman I asked for assistance wasn't able to help me. So, mm. no, there's no daiquiris here at the moment. Right. Maybe, so, Kel- the maybe Kelly is, is going to run out and get us but some. But the thing is, the odds are you they won't be selling them in the hardware store. Oh, is that right? I was in the wrong store? I think so. I see. Good try, though. Okay, other than Daiquiri Day, apparently it's also Disneyland's anniversary today. Mm-hmm. Way back in what year? 1955. It was a good year, eh? 55? I barely remember it. <laughs> you barely remember it. Well, I, I was only born, uh, I was born less than two years before that, so mm-hmm. how, how much would I remember Not at much. the age of one and a half? So I can never remember, maybe like many people, I can never remember which where Disneyland is compared to Disney Anaheim. World. Yeah. Disney World is in Orlando. I get them mixed up. Yeah. So have you been to Disneyland? Have not been to Disneyland. I have been to Disney World several mm. times. Tell you an interesting story about Disneyland. When, when Walt do. Disney first designed Disneyland, he was there was no blueprints. I mean, there was nothing to go off. No one had ever built Magic Mountain before. So he had no idea how much this whole thing was going to cost. And as he started building and building and building and building, he started to realize... I'm barely going to make it on the money that we've got set aside. Fortunately, he cut a deal with NBC to do a live two-hour, I think it was a two-hour broadcast for the opening day of Disney World with all these different celebrities and, you know, singing, dancing, etc. And he wanted to get, like, the best MC possible for the show. Was that you? Were you there? I was a year and a half old. I told you that. No, that's Disneyland, you said. 55. Disney World was the same year? No, Disney World came later. Oh, it came later. Yeah, Disney World came much, much later. So you were older. Disneyland. I'm talking Disneyland when Disney first built Disneyland in 55. Okay. In Anaheim. So we got this deal with NBC. He's going to do a broadcast, but he wants to get a big name hosting this thing. And he, at the time, he's thinking Art Linkletter is probably the guy because he has he was the guy with the biggest family appeal because he did that show... Kids say the darndest things, etc. right? So he appealed okay. to parents and grandparents and children and all alike. So he went to Linkletter, Disney did, and said, I want you to do this, but all I can afford to pay you is scale. Because this thing has costed me way more money than I thought, because, again, nobody knew how to budget for Magic Mountain. Pay, nobody pay ever built one. Scale? Scale. What's that mean? B- basic. Oh, okay. 
in unions, there are, there's different levels. There's scale, double scale, triple scale. Okay. Right? Okay, so one of them could be like uh, $100 a day, another one could be $300 right. a day. So scale. He, he paid him the very least he possibly could get away with mm-hmm. by union rules. And Linklater said, I'll do it, but uh, one proviso. And that being that I maintain the right to all the film that's sold in Disney World for the first 20 years. Holy. So every time somebody went and bought some film for their little Kodak camera. Oh, that kind of film. Yes, he was getting a cut. And at one point, interesting, there was more film being sold on a daily basis in Disneyland than there was in New York City. Wow. Good deal. Yeah. So me, I would have held out for a scale and a half. Right. It's the kind of an idiot I am. It's okay. a great story, though. I'm, yeah. Did you ever meet Art Linkletter? I did. Yeah. How so? I uh, was on a television show with him on the Alan Hamill show out of Vancouver. The Alan Hamill show. Who married uh, Suzanne Summers. Really? Yes. Small world. Small world in Hollywood. Yeah. When you mingle with the uh, hoi polloi. I'm going to tell you a quick Disney story, and then we're going to move on, because we got other stuff to talk about. It is the Avoid Probate Show. We're glad you're here joining us on Sunday morning for the Avoid Probate Show. Jason Lather with Ted Wallace and AM740, Zuma Radio. I went to Disney, I don't know, I don't remember which one it was now. I think it was Disney World as a kid, and I remember I was there. You don't uh, remember if you were in Florida or California? I think it was the Florida one. And that was Disney World. Okay. And I was standing on a park bench, and I was I was young, okay? I was like... Seven, I think. And I was just, I think we were waiting for a ride or do. I don't know why we were, st- we were there. It was hot. And you know the ketchup packages? You know, the little Heinz ketchup package you yep. get for your hot dog or whatever. So I guess I had one of those, and it was on the bench. And I was playing around with it, and I stood on it, and it burst open. And, of course, the woman sitting on the bench beside me <laughs> was wearing white everything. <laughs> And the ketchup went all over her white everything that she was wearing. And my dad was, like, beside himself with embarrassment. And boy, did I get in trouble that day. And that kind of put a kibosh on the rest of the uh, yeah. the Disney experience yeah, for that day. And, but it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. I, I feel like I'm seven all over again, telling, explaining to my dad that it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. I did not do it on purpose. I couldn't have done it on purpose if I wanted to. <laughs> Lastly, it also happens to be... Before we get to our first break of the morning and talk about some important probate stuff, which we're going to do, I just need to mention it's National Tattoo Day, mm. Ted. And why do I mention this? Mm. Because you're going to be really happy to know you and Kelly are both going to get really excited when I tell you that I've booked us all a spot after the show to get the Avoid Probate logo tattooed at a discounted price. <laughs> <laughs> That's a surprise to Kelly and Ted. You should see the look on Ted's face right now. Yeah. I can't, I can't see Kelly's face, but I heard the And where, where would we be putting these tattoos? Well, I wasn't going to go there, but uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to you, okay? Mm-hmm. It's an individual thing, and you can put the avoid probate tattoo. How about a shoe? A shoe? Put it on my shoe. No, no, no. That's not cool. You get a tattoo, you know, a tattoo's on your skin. Give that some thought, I'm Kelly and Ted. I have. I have. Have you? <laughs> Are you going to share those thoughts with the listeners? No, not right now. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. It is still early on it Sunday is. morning. Exactly. All right. Well, I just thought you'd be excited to know you have something to look forward to later today. I do. Kelly. Are you excited, Kelly? I am. Is the design <laughs> going to be really cool? Oh, it's a really cool okay. uh, logo. It looks like a shield. Okay. 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 All it's, right. uh, if you go to avoidprobate.ca, the website, you can see it there. And it's blue. It's two shades of blue. But if you just want to get uh, black, then, you know, whatever you want. Whatever tattoo you want to get after the show, Ted, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. All right? Having said that, okay, I think that's a good time to go to our first break. Let the listeners uh, digest some of that, top up their tea and coffee. And when we get back, we will talk about probate stuff because it is the probate show, and I'm glad you're here joining us this morning. We'll be right back after this quick break. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Avoid problems you didn't know you had. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid all that red tape. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid high fees. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid a long wait. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid expensive fines. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid uncertainty. Avoidprobate.ca Don't wait. Avoidprobate.ca 
Okay, let's head down to 190 Baldwin in the heart of Kensington Market. Tom's Place. Tom Mahalik has joined me. Smack dab in the middle of wedding season we are, and it's been great weather for weddings because we had hardly any rain at all, huh? Dad, your voice sounds so strong, so positive. I don't, I don't know what you're eating. And I ask you off the air, and you said, Tom, I'm eating spinach. I'm going to start eating spinach, too. I want to be like Ted Wallachian. And, yes, this time of the year, you would never hear talk about weddings because the wedding season should be winding down. Totally the opposite is happening. People are still looking for wedding suits and tuxedos. And it feels like that the only place where you have your sizes and the style that you're looking for is at Tom's Place. It's a great thing to know that in this wonderful city of ours, there's still a clothing store that believes in inventory. And yes, we have inventory for your wedding needs. Teddy, that spinach does you good. I'm going to start doing it also. You do that. And the hamburger on Tuesdays as well. Tom's Place. It's a little uh, Popeye stuff there for those of you who missed that. Tom's Place, located 190 Baldwin in the heart of Kensington Markets. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. You are listening to the Avoid Probate Show, and the information provided in this program is for general consumption only. It is not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. Each situation is different. So if you have a legal or investment question, you should speak with a licensed expert. We have them on hand, and you can contact Jason. Email is info at avoidprobate.ca or toll-free 1-844-667-667. 7628. That's 1-844-667-7628. Jason. Thanks, Ted. Ted, would you call yourself a history buff? Uh, a little bit. I would, I would call you a history buff because you're always correcting my history when I'm trying to tell you something about it. Um, <laughs> unless it's probate related. And that, let's go there right now because I was doing a little bit of research mm. on the history of probate in Ontario specifically because that's where we are. And right now, you know, we are licensed to help. Ontario residents. The probate issue is a function of your uh, residency in Canada. Well, not just in Canada, in your municipality even. The municipality in which you live is the same municipal court that will deal with your probate matter. And of course, probate, if you're just joining us or new to the show, I'll just remind the listeners, probate is the, the court process that somebody needs to complete before you can begin to settle the estate of a deceased person. If that person had any sizable estate. I mean, if, if you died with 10 bucks to your name, chances are you don't have a probate problem. But anything, well, the province draws the line at 50000 In other words, the probate fee, the pound of flesh, the death tax, I call it sometimes, is not payable at all to the province or to anybody, for that matter, on the first $50,000 of the estate. But anything after that, if probate is required, the probate fee in Ontario is 1.5%. I say it's the highest in the country, and it is, depending on how you look at it, of course, but 1.5% of the value, the total value of the estate on the date of death, and that's really important, and we've talked about why that's important in other shows. We'll, we'll explain that again another time in the future, but anyway, I digress. I was kind of curious to learn something about the history of probate in Ontario because I'm, well, I'm the probate nerd guy, so that stuff gets me interested, and uh, I wanted to know, and I was really shocked to see what I saw with doing some research on the internet about the history of probate in Ontario. And I'm going to share some of these points with you that I found, which really, I don't know, maybe it'll catch you by surprise like it did to me. Probate records have been kept at the district or county level in Ontario by surrogate courts since 1793. I mean, was there even an Ontario in 1793? I don't even know when Ontario started, but I know there wasn't a Canada in 1793, but, or was there Canada? No, there was no Canada. It was Upper Canada and all that stuff. And Lower Canada. And Lower Canada. So between, so that's a long time. Those are, that's a lot of records, and that's really interesting, I think. And then, and they're available. They're, that you can access these records through the Ontario Archives, and I'm going to talk about that in a second as well. Do, have you ever been to the Ontario Archives or done any research no. at the Ontario Archives? No. It's amazing what's there. People, I think most people have no idea. I had, I had no idea. In terms of records, not just records, artwork, photographs, political stuff, decisions, leaders, 
changes to the, the province, the municipalities, all that stuff. They said the archive library has like 75,000 items in it, and that includes a bunch of microfiche. And the microfiche is accessible. You can borrow it. It's like a library. You can go borrow a roll of microfiche. I don't know who has a microfiche reader, but I guess if you have a microfiche reader, and I remember when I was studying at University of Guelph for my bio-sci degree, I had to go to the library and use microfiche. My daughter, my 18-year-old daughter who's going to go to Guelph in, in this fall has no idea what microfiche is because nobody that age does because it's all on the internet. And so I remember having to go find the microfiche film, scroll through, find the periodical that I needed to find. Then I had to go find the peri- periodical. It was a quite the process. Again, obviously way before Google. I saw a t-shirt one day, by the way. I almost bought it. It said, I graduated without Google. I, I wish I bought it. Uh, what else does it say? Between 1793 and 1858, a central probate court of the province dealt with estates valued above a certain amount of money. I'd love to know what that is. It doesn't say. Yeah. When the probate court was abolished in 1858, the surrogate court's took over its functions. I wonder, I might make that a little challenge. In fact, I'll throw that out to the listeners. I'll repeat that. You know, there was, it said, in those earliest years, between 1793 and 1858, the central probate court of the province dealt with the estates valued above a certain amount of money. It's got to be like a hundred bucks. It can't be more, it can't be much more. In, in 1793, it can't be much more than... Could be less. It could be less. I mean, I would say 500 bucks at the most. 500 bucks to 200 years ago, 500 bucks would be a fortune. Exactly. Ah, curious. So there you go, listeners. There's a challenge for you. See if you can find out uh, <laughs> what that amount of money was above a certain uh, state value. Uh, moving on. Registers are court order books recording petitions and grants of probate and administrators' bonds. In estate files, you may find wills, inventories, and letters of administration. The original probate records are at the Archives of Ontario, um, as I said, and at district and registry offices. The Family History Library and the Archives of Ontario have microfilm copies of many probate records for most Ontario counties. These include wills and indexes to 1930. This must be like it must be fascinating to dive into this stuff. And I and I and I did a little shallow dive. And I'll talk about that shallow dive in a second. As county and district boundaries changed, surrogate court records from the original districts were taken over by one of the successor counties. Okay, so I did play around a little bit on the internet in the probate archives, which go up to 1970. I've mentioned on the show before, my mom was born in Scotland. My dad's parents were both born, no, sorry, my dad's mom was born in Scotland. In other words, I'm a first generation, so I I checked Laidler. There's nothing for Laidler. So that didn't really surprise me. But it was interesting. I thought the descriptions for the what what they called like the occupation of the deceased person, and they would list the occupations such as Esquire. I'm not sure what that means. I have an idea. Yeoman. I'm not sure what that means. Gentleman. I'm pretty sure I know what that means. Hey, Ted, you know what a a Warfinger is? Yeah. (laughs) What's a Warfinger? Guy who runs the wharf. I've never heard that term, so I had to look it up, and I found a, a Wikipedia definition for wharfinger, which I'll share. And I think I'm saying it properly, wharfinger. It's an archaic term for a person who is the keeper or owner of a wharf. You're right. The wharfinger takes custody of and is responsible for goods delivered to the wharf, typically has an office on the wharf or dock, and is responsible for day-to-day activities, including slipways keeping tied tables, and resolving disputes. Uh, the term is rarely used today. A warfinger is usually called a harbor master. I have heard the term harbor master. Mm-hmm. And I guess I mean, we must have some in, uh, in Toronto in, uh, for Lake Ontario, right? Sure. Okay. The other job description that I thought was interesting was um, tavern keeper. Are you familiar with the term tavern keeper, Ted? Yes. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> me too. I didn't. I didn't have to research that one. I wanted to be one. So did I. There was a day when I thought, yeah, that'd be fun. Be a public. I think everybody at one point or another uh, has. And I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people at one point or another have uh, fantasized about either owning a bar or a restaurant. 
The restaurant to me just seems like so much work. Well, the more you the more you the more you understand about it, the more you learn about it, the more you talk to people who are restaurateurs, the more you realize, wow, this is a brutal, brutal occupation. Yeah, your hours are long. Yeah, and there was a there was a dragon. I'm sure you know who I'm thinking of. I can't think of his name. You know, Dragon's Den, the show that uh, yeah. aired on TV for a few years. I don't know if it's gone or not. I haven't no. seen it for a while. And there was one of the Dragons was a restaurateur, Canadian. Well, they were all, I think they were all Canadians on the show, yeah. And he made a point one day, it, it struck me when he said, we are working when everyone else is resting and celebrating. In other words, like New Year's Eve, Christmas, uh, birthdays, whatever the holiday is, you go to the restaurant pre-COVID. You know, you went to the restaurant yep. for the celebration or to for your New Year's party. Even like, yeah. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah, this these these people, these restaurant people are working. They're you know what off in, in the in the back when everyone else is uh, enjoying yep. themselves. But yeah, that's my hats off, especially to restaurant or food industry restaurants and bars and grills. I mean, these people who have been through COVID, I can't imagine like how they managed to get. I mean, a lot of them did not. Survive, yeah. and a lot of them are having a difficult time keeping the same hours as they did before because they can't, they can't find enough staff. There's a local restaurant that I um, that I eat in called uh, Skyway Jackson Streetsville in Mississauga, and they're only open now Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They used to be open seven days a week, but after COVID, uh, sort of went away because it didn't really go away. But people started reopening. Uh, they couldn't get enough uh, staff together to uh, be open for seven days a week. So they're hoping that by the fall they will. Interesting. I mean, I, I don't really understand where all these people went. Well, a lot of people, they just, you know, you work at a restaurant and you're there and then three months later their COVID uh, rears its ugly head again and you got to close down. And people are thinking, well, I don't want to go back to these jobs that are only going to be there for me for six or seven or nine weeks and then lose it again and then wait and have to have to wait and apply for some sort of assistance and then go back and they just decide that, okay this is, if I'm out I'm out I'm going to find something that's more stable and they just don't want to go back to the hospitality industry okay I guess respect to all our uh, listeners and friends who are part of the hospitality industry I have the utmost respect for the work mm-hmm. that they do okay we've got a few moments before we have to go to our next break so I want to touch on something else it is the avoid probate show but boy, that history thing I'm not done with that I'm going to keep looking into that I thought it was really neat I I just kind of wish I had a, a lineage a family lineage that I could follow up on and, and maybe read somebody's probate documents or something I don't but I'll, maybe I'll look up yours I don't know or, or Kelly's <laughs> I've never done that either. Of course, my family comes from, uh, some of them anyway, come from uh, Ukraine. Yes. And the records there, you know, under the so- under Soviet, Union, so- Soviet rule, not exactly the most accurate. And in fact, in many cases, they were just totally destroyed as they tried to uh, mm. destroy an entire race, which is what they're doing right now. I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure. The news I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them have been dest- destroyed lately. That's exactly what they're doing. All right, well. I want to touch on uh, on a less uh, dreary note. I mean, it is the Avoid Probate Show. It's kind of dreary, and we know that, listeners. I mean, I get I get comments from people um, saying, you know, it's it's kind of uh, dark, and you know, can you like can you lighten it up and maybe like get some more entertainment or something? And I'm like, no, no, sorry, um, I've I've committed from day one. It is what it is, and this is uh, we we're on a mission here to share the message and the solution, which we haven't talked about yet today, but maybe I should do that now. But there is a solution to what we call the probate nightmare. It is a obviously a, not an exciting topic because it deals with death. There's only there's only you only have a probate problem if somebody passes away. Simple as that. We are here to say that even we we, we can avoid the probate problem that you otherwise would have when somebody passes away. Obviously, we're all going to pass away, and that's that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm always amazed that more people aren't talking about the probate issue and or the solution that we're talking about here every week on the Avoid Probate Show. And the solution, the simple solution, is a transfer of assets from the bank over to an insurance company. And I'm going to expand on that a little bit in the mailbag. We've got, a, we got an extended mailbag today, and so I'm going to expand on that in the mailbag. But the solution is move the long-term investment money from whatever bank it's in today or wherever it is, whether it's the bank or the brokerage firm or the credit union or whatever, you cannot put a beneficiary on the account at those institutions. It has to be at an insurance company in order for you to put a beneficiary on it. And once we've added the kids 
and and the church and whoever you want uh, to be part of the your your estate once you're gone once we've added them as a beneficiary that simply avoids the probate and i often say if you're under the age of 85 we can do that transfer at no cost so there's really very little downside we do the transfer the investment the insurance companies that we move the money to have a ton of investment options way more than you need, to be honest. When I go see people for the first time for for the consultation, the consultation is no charge. People call all the time, hey, Jason, um, I need to know more. Can we set up a consultation? Can we set up a meeting? Yeah, of course. That's the first step. Well, the first step is the phone call. The next step is, is booking the meeting, which I'm happy to do. And it doesn't matter where you are. We will come to you. Uh, you can come to the office if you want to, but it, we prefer to come to you. It's I think it's better for both of us if we do it that way. And that's where you get some more information about what the options look like. And it, there's something for everybody for sure. I say the, ins- the insurance companies today have as many, if not more, investment options than the banks do. And I'll show you what I'm talking about if and when we get together for that consultation. But before we carry on and get to the extended mailbag, I think we do need to go to a quick break here. We'll be right back after this. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. My name is Marilyn, and I avoided probate. Marilyn is a good daughter who wants the best for her elderly mom. Um, why is she overdrawn on her account? What's going on here? Her mom had money, much of which was tied up in non-registered accounts like GICs, paying next to no interest, which meant... She was dipping into her capital big time because the residence she was staying in was very costly. So she was overdrawn on her account four times a month. Marilyn wanted to disperse the money for her mom's needs using her power of attorney. The bank refused, saying the accounts were in her mom's name only, and then rubbed salt in the wound. They pushed it back on the family and said it was all our fault. We should have been on top of it, not them. That's when Marilyn got a hold of Jason at avoidprobate.ca. He accompanied Marilyn to the bank to move mom's money. Why? The insurance companies now have as many, if not more, investment options than the banks have. Plus, we can also put a 100% death benefit guarantee on the account once it's at the insurance company. Anybody who has non-registered accounts at the bank needs to look into the services we provide at avoidprobate.ca. I don't know how long my mother is going to live. None of us know. So my thing was, if she lives to 100, there'll be more than enough money to sustain her. How is avoidprobate.ca able to help Marilyn's mom? It's a good news story. The account is earning money much more than it did when it was at the bank in a low-paying GIC. But more importantly, it's still 100% mom's money. There's no joint owner on the account, but there is a beneficiary on the account, which wasn't there before. Which means no tax issues and no probate to worry about. I share my story with as many people as I can, and I hand out Jason's cards to lots of people and say, call this man. He'll walk you through it. Call us at avoidprobate.ca on the toll-free number. But call us before your mom or dad passes away. That's when we can help you. Avoid probate like Marilyn did with avoidprobate.ca. Call 1-844-667-7628. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. And good morning. Welcome back. Once again, you are listening to Avoid Probate with Ted Wallace and, and Jason Laidler. And we invite you to keep your calls and emails coming in with your questions and comments. We'll try to reply to each and every one of them. When I say we, I mean Jason. He will do that. And some of them we're going to share with you. Info at avoidprobate.ca is the address for emails. If you'd like to call, it's one 877 7628-1844-667-7628. A lot of great stuff on the website, by the way, at www.avoidprobate.ca, including a free probate calculator. You can play with it and get an idea how much probate might be payable on your estate. So check those things out and fire off your questions and your comments. And let's go to the mailbag. Yeah, ahead of schedule. Uh, the email. Normally, bag. the email bag. Normally, um, we save that for the last segment, but we've got a great email, Ted, from a, a listener. And I can tell you, I've, I've met with these people already. So this is follow-up info-seeking on their part, which is fantastic. Yep. And it was just so thorough, I just felt like we really should share it for the benefit of the listenership you're saying every week. 
you know, when you when you're doing your part there, that these questions are going to be benefiting other people, I and that's that. exactly for sure. And this is a perfect example of that, and that's why I thought we really should share this exchange. So we're going to take a little bit extra time and start the mailbag early, or sorry, the email bag early. Yes. So here we go. What is the difference between a segregated fund and a mutual fund? I believe you called the insurance investments segregated funds. Exactly. So the solution that we're providing here at avoidprobate.ca with regard to the transfer of the money that's at the bank today, it may be in mutual funds at the bank. It may not be. It might be in those silly GICs that I can't stand, or it might be in cash. It could be be in a number of different types of investments. If it's at a brokerage firm, it could be in stocks or bonds or both, all the above. When we do the transfer over to the insurance company, it goes into what we call seg funds, seg being short for segregated. And the reply that I shared with this individual, uh, I'm going to expand on it, but the reply I shared here says they are similar in that, and I'm talking about the difference between mutual funds, and then a lot of people aren't a fan of mutual funds. They've they've gotten burned, and I don't really buy buy the burn story. I believe people have been burned, but... Often that's because they are a victim of their own um, impatience or poor judgment or something like that. I mean, the fact is the the funds uh, represent the markets, and the markets just go up and up and up. They do step back. They've stepped back in 2022. We talked about that last week, I think. And But if it's anything long-term, yeah, they, they just go up. So I've said here they are similar in that they both invest in a pool of assets, but unlike a mutual fund, a seg fund, comes with guarantees, i.e. the 100% death benefit guarantee that I've talked about uh, many times on the show. And more importantly, it enables you to name a beneficiary even when the account is a non-registered account, and this is how it avoids the need for probate. Non-registered account, for those who aren't quite sure, refers to an account that's not an RSP, it's not a RIF, it's not a TFSA, it's not anything with a special name that has special rules attached to it, that has limitations attached to it. It's just the regular money. You know, if you sold your house for a million bucks, you got to do something with that million bucks. You can't register all of it. You can hardly hardly register any of it. So wherever that goes, that's a non-registered account. I do have, okay, let's let's stick with seg funds or the differences for a second here because I'm looking at a um, marketing piece from one of the biggest insurance companies in the country who have created this marketing piece for the benefit of doing the comparison. And they've got a whole bunch of different uh, metrics that they make the comparison on. And there's, I don't know, let's say eight, nine, ten metrics here where the seg funds and the mutual funds are this, are similar because they are similar, right? If it's a basket of Canadian equity equities, so be it. Uh, whether it's a seg fund or a mutual fund, you can do the same thing in both cases. But let's focus on, just for a minute, on where they're not similar because there's uh, six, seven, eight, maybe eight columns where the seg funds are unique, such as guarantee applicable at maturity or death on deposits made. Check. Check mark for the seg fund, no check mark for the mutual fund. Uh, protection of gains earned on deposits made. Yes, seg funds do that. Seg funds do all of these things. Mutual funds do not. That's the section of the flyer I'm looking at. Protection of estate value at death. In other words, no probate fees. Exactly. Bingo. That's what we're here for, to talk about no probate fees. Possible protection against creditors. Yes, that's something we haven't done a very good job of uh, explaining to the listeners on this show. That's, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that one um, in the neck. Uh, we're going to have to plan a show where we talk about how uh, the seg fund solution is also very good for creditor protection and business owners in particular appreciate creditor protection. So we'll have to do a better job of explaining that in the future. Continuation of your contribution in case of disability. Yep, that's an option. Uh, deposits made by the insurance company can carry on if you've elected for that uh, feature. That's interesting. We I don't think we've talked about that either. Uh, consumer protection. Yes. And lastly, Possibility of obtaining a, a lifetime guaranteed income. Yes, there are products out there using seg funds that will guarantee you an income for life, regardless of what's happening with the stock markets and uh, other other issues. Uh, yeah, so you don't have to worry about market volatility. Right. Okay, let's get to the next. Uh, that was a long answer, so carry on, please. 
Can you restate what your estate planning designation allows with respect to buying insurance investments? We cannot approach the insurance companies directly to buy their investments. Is that correct? Exactly. And this confuses a lot of people. And that's why I've said it uh, many times on the show here. When people say, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'll, I'll get my lawyer uh, to look at it for me. I'll get my accountant to look at it for me. You can't do that. They can't do that. They can't do that. They don't want to do that. They don't have the license to do that. The answer to this question that I replied to in the email says, correct. Uh, insurance products, including investments, and I, I want to be clear, we're not talking about life insurance just because we're talking about um, something at an insurance company. They don't just sell life insurance policies. They also offer investment solutions, and that's what I'm talking about. But those investment solutions are complicated, and so for the protection of the consumer, it is necessary to go through a licensed advisor. Obviously, I'm one. We've got other advisors on the team, and that's that's something to be proud of. It's a lot of work to get this license. Uh, no one can no one can deal with the insurance company directly. Of course, you could always call them up directly. You can call any insurance company you want to call and say, hey, can I open up an RSP with you? Can I uh, set up a non-registered account with you to avoid probate? And they'll say, yeah, of course. Of course you can. But they're going to be assigning you to an internal advisor because you have to have an advisor. You cannot do it by yourself. This internal advisor, if you did that, of course, I mean, if you called the insurance company, uh, I don't know, ABC, and they'd say, yeah, we'll be happy to take your business, uh, you know, Mr. Smith. We'll assign you with uh, Jason as your advisor. No, that's a bad example because I'm independent. That's the point I'm trying to make here. The advisor they assign you obviously works for that particular insurance company who's not independent. We are independent advisors. So we always get the question, you know, well, which insurance company do, do you deal with? And the short answer is all of them. Um, I don't want to say – I hate to say I don't care because it sounds crass – I do care. I care a great deal, but it's up to you. It's up to the investor. Ultimately, I'm here to make recommendations, and I will do that. I gladly do that. Of course, when we have this consultation, I'll say, okay, this is what I'm recommending, and this is why. But if somebody's you know, dad worked at a different insurance company his whole life, and they're, they're in love with that insurance company, and they insist on doing the business with that insurance company, fine. We'll do, the, we'll do that. doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter. We are independent. So you're getting non-biased advice from our advisors. Next question. Would it be fair to call you a go-between? Yeah, I've been called worse. Um, I, said, I said in the email, I said, sure. I said, but uh, safeguard sounds better. I mean, I like independent advisor, but it's a good point. It's, it's a really good point. You have to have a go-between. And in fact, without going into the details, listeners, if you want to know more about what I'm going to say next, give me a call or email me. I have a go-between. Jason Laidler, the licensed advisor, I can't even contract directly with the insurance companies. There's actually another layer of protection built into the system between me and the insurance company. I say sometimes to people, well, I've got a, I've got a boss, and they're like, you got a boss? I thought you owned the company. Well, I do own the company. I, I own avoidprobate.ca. So I am I'm the boss in that sense. But in terms of the regulators and the regulatory framework, I can't uh, contract directly with the insurance company. There's another layer of protection between me and them, and it's that person's job to make sure that you know the the eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed, the, the the paperwork is in order, nothing looks dodgy, because you know if I you know if it does go sideways, yeah. that person gets it in the neck because their job is to monitor compliance on behalf of the regulators. So there is actually an extra layer of protection built in. Next question, what is the issue with banks not wanting to send money to insurance companies? Well, you know, banks don't want to send money to anybody. Banks don't want to send your own money to you. We do, we try, we try, well, we do complete bank transfers every single day. It's it's, uh, one of the nastier parts of what we have to do, but we do it, and we do it on behalf of, of the clients, of course, because we want to transfer the funds. If it's registered money, if it's uh, RIF money, you know, if you're over the age of 71, you don't have an RSP anymore, it's now a RIF, you can't transfer it yourself because it'll be taxable in your hands if you cash it out. It doesn't work that way. It has to go from financial institution to financial institution. That's what the licensed pe- people like myself are here to facilitate. We do the paperwork for you. We do the transfers. We submit them. We follow up. 
it takes. I used to say it takes three weeks, and now I take it. Now I say it takes six, and even that's kind of being optimistic. We got rejections today, or yesterday, I should say. We we get rejections all the time. The banks will just find a way to not comply with the transfer request, which is not cool because they need to be replying. It's your money, and when you give instructions to move it, you know they should move it. Yeah, I could go on and on about the the bank transfer challenge, but we'll leave it at that for now. We're going to have to take another quick break. We'll come right back and finish off with this week's mailbag right after this. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Avoid problems you didn't know you had. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid all that red tape. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid high fees. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid a long wait. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid expensive fines. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid uncertainty. Avoidprobate.ca Don't wait. Avoidprobate.ca this is Avoid Probate on Zuma Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. We're back, and so are you, and it is the Avoid Probate Show. And I am Ted Walshen, and he is Jason Laidler, and you can get a hold of Jason via email, info at avoidprobate.ca, toll free at 6677628 and make sure you check out the website as we mentioned avoidprobate.ca that's www.avoidprobate.ca free probate calculator and you can also check back on some of the old programs that we have done the podcasts they are available there's a little button there you press that and it'll take you back and you can check out listen to some that you may have missed or some that you enjoyed that you want to hear once again and speaking of which, yeah, thank you, Ted. But speaking of podcasts, I got to say, we're now caught up. We got behind a little again um, with uh, keeping them up to date. But I'm happy to say we're caught up now. So if you've been in waiting, and I know some of the listeners have been waiting because they've called in and said, hey, hey, man, the show I'm uh, wanting to re-listen to, people want to hear this stuff uh, over and over again. I get it because it's hard to soak it all up uh, in one listening sometimes in mm-hmm. one session. So that's cool. Um, we encourage that. Okay. So I'm happy that we're up to date again. Uh, let's we're, go back to the email Yeah, we're, we're still in the mail. We're, Do you have any information and examples of insurance investments from uh, Canadian companies that offer products with the majority of companies that are Canadians? Meanwhile, yes. uh, meaning that you're if you're buying into into a package, those that package includes many Canadian companies. Right. And, and of course, uh, the short answer is yes, of course. And I've said... Again, already once today, the insurance companies have as many investment options, if not more, than the banks do. And when I, this is what I started to say earlier, I don't think I finished my thought. When we go to this, when I attend the, the consultation and I bring a sample, I bring a sample of the investment options that the insurance companies provide because there's, there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. And I bring some of the more popular ones because they're the more popular ones. And the best performing funds, you know, it, lately have been American, American-related funds, American equity funds, things like that. And that's why this question comes up from time to time about Canada. So I responded by answering that question by saying, yes, uh, sure, this insurance company, I'm not going to name it, has a Canadian equivalent uh, of that American fund. And and the equivalent, uh, the Canadian, often they're called Canadian equity growth. I'm not giving anything away when I say Canadian equity growth because every single financial institution in Canada has a Canadian equity growth fund. This one in particular earned 23% last year. When I say last year, I'm talking about the calendar year for 2021. Uh, it holds uh, the underlying investments in this Canadian equity growth fund include, and are not limited to, Royal Bank, TD Bank, Canadian Pacific Railway, Brookfield Asset Management Limited, Bank of Nova Scotia, Canadian National Railway, Canadian Natural Resources Limited, Bank of Montreal, Enbridge, and several other Canadian companies. So I'm going to assume that most of those are household names. Most of the listeners will recognize probably all of those companies 
when I get to be trite about it, when I talk about the Canadian Equity Fund, I just normally say to people, yeah, you buy the Canadian Equity Fund, you own all the banks, a good chunk of insurance companies, Canadian insurance companies, uh, Bombardier and Bell Canada, and maybe Canadian Tire. And that's it. And I'm saying that, you know, sort of to be funny because the Canadian economy, the Canadian market is so much smaller than the U.S., you know, other markets. So that's about it. You know, and we named it, we named a good chunk of them right there, the big players. So yes, the answer is we can do Canada. We can do Asia. We can do the U.S. We can do Europe. We can do whatever you want to do. All right. Continuing with the questions, my dad is a big believer in dividends. Your thoughts? Yes, this comes up quite a bit. I'm a big believer in dividends. I'm certainly not anti-dividend. The dividend, in case uh, you're not clear what the dividend does, you know, the the company has a profit. The company can decide to pay tax. Companies pay tax. Well, in theory, they pay tax on profits. So the company can pay tax on the profit or they can issue a dividend to the shareholders. And if they issue a dividend to the shareholders, they get a tax break. It makes the shareholders happy. Uh, The shareholders maybe buy more shares because they're getting a dividend. A lot of people buy shares of a company based on the dividend. Bell Canada, one of the most famous uh, companies in the country with regard to their dividend. The banks uh, pay dividends. You know, the test is, you know, paying dividends consistently and increasing the dividend consistently over time. That's what some people consider the, the good the sign of a good, healthy company. And so because of that, again, getting back to the fact that we have something, not we, the insurance companies, and I'm not related to, I'm not connected to the insurance companies. I can open the account and um, they pay my commissions, which is why it costs you nothing to do the transfer over uh, from the bank to the insurance company where, and so we can put a beneficiary on it. But other than that, like I don't work for the insurance company. I'm not, I'm not an insurance company employee. But in terms of the dividend, the answer to the question is there's, in this case, uh, this insurance company has a global dividend fund. And, and again, that's like a generic term. Every financial institution probably has a global dividend fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one in particular is, is managed by Dynamic. And I'm not, I don't mind saying that because Dynamic is not an insurance company. Dynamic is a fund manufacturer. And this this is kind of interesting. You know, the insurance companies who provide these investment options, some of them are are, are managed and, and created in-house, but some of them are what we call third-party funds. So everybody's heard of Fidelity, right? Uh, Fidelity... I think they might be the biggest fund company on the planet. You can buy Fidelity Fund from Fidelity, or you could buy it indirectly through the insurance company or the bank, for that matter. Not the Seg Fund. You can't get the Seg Fund at the bank, but you could get the um, a Fidelity Fund as a third. They're called third-party funds, and the financial institutions want to do this because they want to broaden their um, the shelf. They want to appeal to a broader audience, a broader. Um, group of in, potential investors. So if if you like Fidelity or I can't think or Dynamic in this case, then they can say, "Hey, we can provide that even though we're insurance company ABC, we can we offer these third-party funds." And that's what's happened in this case. Uh, Dynamic has created this global dividend fund, uh, has returned an average of 11% over the past 10 years. That number is accurate as of the end of the first quarter of 2022. That's a relatively recent number. 11% average over the past 10 years. Its managers, quote, this is a quote from the fund spec, the managers search the globe for well-managed companies capable of initiating or growing their dividends and that are trading below their intrinsic value, end quote. In 2021, the fund returned just over 13%. This would transfer, just to do a quick math calculation for you, this would transfer to $130,000, $130,000 on a million-dollar investment net of all fees. That's important, net of all fees. In other words, regardless of what the fees are, it doesn't matter. The listeners out there who are fee-sensitive, just forget about it for a second because what I'm saying here is if the spec sheet says it returned 13%, by law, that return is net of fees, which means, simple math, 13% of a million bucks is $130,000 of gain in 2021. Yeah. Okay? 
We've got a couple more questions we've got to get through here, I think. We uh, have to zip right through this, yes. Uh, what fees would be paid by the investor and to whom if he bought the investment? Are the fees charged one time or is it a continuing charge and is it a percentage and what is it based on? All right, so I'll start with my response here. The fees range in the seg fund world, the fees range between 2% and 3% depending on the fund and the guarantee options selected by the investor. Remember, that's one of the differences. We talked about this at the beginning of the mailbag here. Uh, there's one of the main differences between the mutual fund and the seg fund is that the seg fund comes with built-in guarantee options, including the 100% death benefit guarantee, which is amazing. I wish I wish I had more time to expand on that. So getting back, uh, to between 2 and 3%, depending on the type of the fund and the, and the guarantee option that's been selected, the Canadian, for example, the Canadian Government Bond Fund, again, generic term, Canadian Government Bond Fund, every institution has one. The Canadian Government Bond Fund, bond fund, is much easier to manage and therefore has lower fees than, for example, an Asian equity fund might, where, you know, that Asian equity fund requires more analysts and are, are needed along with an office in Hong Kong. So the fees are greater for that type of uh, investment product. It's just, just, it makes sense. Depending on your costs of managing the product, it, it's reflected in the fees. Um, the fees are paid, sorry, they're not paid. The fees are charged quarterly to answer the other part of the question. So yeah, it's ongoing, but they're charged quarterly. So if it's if it's 2.5% a year, well, it's 2.5% divided by 4 charged quarterly. Okay? Okay. And very, very quickly here, we presume the fee is to pay for the expenses of the fund. What are the expenses of that fund? Great question. I love it. The answer is pretty straightforward. The answer, what, what, are, the, what are the expenses? Why are there costs? Why are there fees? Well, A, the, the financial firm wants to make money. That's why they, they exist, of course. The banks are making tons, a billion-dollar quarterly profits. Everyone knows that. And, but what's, what's underlying here? The costs are analysts. Uh, marketing, the banks are crazy with their marketing. I see full-page color ads in the Toronto Star every Saturday. Must cost a fortune. Marketing, back office processors, there's a huge back office. You can't imagine how big the back office needs to be to keep track of all this stuff. Advisors, bricks and mortar, other what I call normal business expenses, accountants, lawyers, uh, contributions to Assurus. The, uh, the body that guarantees protection like CDIC does for the banks, et cetera, et cetera. So there are hard costs, and those hard costs are covered by the fees that are paid by the investor. Right. Okay, I hope that makes sense. It does. Good. Good we, we, we try to make sense here on the Avoid Probate Show. It does. These are good questions. They're and great questions. Help, I love them, and that's why, yeah, thank you for uh, sharing them with us, and thank you for uh, being part of the show Indirectly, thank you uh, to Kelly today for doing her magic behind the glass there. And um, I know you're excited about that tattoo after the show, Kelly. So <laughs> I know Ted is as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you to the listeners for joining us again. If it was your first time, hopefully you're back next week. We're going to do it again next week. Right, Ted? Same time, same channel. You got it. 8 o'clock next Sunday morning, 8.05 after the news on AM 740, the Avoid Probate Show. We will see you there. Thanks again. Have a great Sunday. You've been listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.